Well, welcome back. Welcome anew. If you're new to us, this is the Further Faster podcast. I'm Joseph McClendon III, and I'll be your host and your guide and your MC for this next little while on this journey, on this leg of your voyage to doing exactly what the title implies, and that is to go further faster in your life. And today I'm super excited because our guest today, this is our second time here back by popular demand. I'm going to start off by saying this. If you have children, you ever were a child, you plan on having children, or you know somebody with children, <laughs> you're going to love my guest today. Her name is Vinu Keller. And so grab a pad and paper because you're going to want to take some notes on this if you plan on or do have children of any age in your life. And I'll be right back with Vinu Keller. So welcome back. Welcome back. I hope I sufficiently teased you into our next guest here today because the the subject of parenting or being a child and getting through being a child and helping our children through things. If you're a parent, you know that it is a there's no manual or at least before my guest came along, there was no manual really to deal with some of the most difficult things that go on in our children's lives. And so my guest, Vinu Keller, I'm going to, I'm literally, I'm going to read her bio because there's so much here. Uh, kind of what qualifies her to be here and what she does. Her name is Vinu Keller and she's a parent child master coach. She helps create peace and harmony inside your home. She's spending over, she has spent over 23 years helping families, bridge the gaps with communication and understanding and providing environments where children can feel safe, seen, and heard. She's a multiple number one best-selling author of the books Bulletproof, Unleash the Hero Inside Your Kid, and Numb. She's featured on ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, and CW for her work that she's done. She's a certified infant and toddler specialist. She's a certified master coach. She's a certified behavioral consultant, a licensed by Dr. Amon as a brain trainer, and probably most important, she's a licensed neuroencoding specialist, and she is, we're proud to say, one of the coaches and uh, that helps so many other coaches really achieve their goals in helping other people in the Neuroencoding Institute. She has reshaped the perception of parenting by teaching parents how to give their children a childhood that they do not need to heal from. By closing the gap and teaching better communication, providing an open and safe, trusting space for kids to share without judgment and for people, parents, to let go of their own baggage to parent, to parent with new and fresh eyes. Vinu, welcome back to the show. You know, I wanted to bring you back because when you were here before, uh, we we got started and it just started going and going and time ran out. And there's so much more I wanted to share uh, with people about you. So if uh, you were here before and you heard it before, uh, as I said, welcome back. But Vinu, welcome back to the Further Faster podcast. Joseph, it's always an honor to share space with you and have these conversations. I know that what you're doing in the world is really supporting people to go further faster in their life. And I do believe that parenting when you have children 
it is one of the most pivotal things to learn and to experience. And not that there's a wrong or right way to do it, but there's always a better way to do it. No doubt. No doubt. And, you know, I, I went through your bio. I rarely read everybody's bio all the way through, but I wanted everybody to kind of know, you know, what qualifies you to do this. And I also, you know, I want everybody to know that you didn't just, you know, pull this out of a book. You've had an experience yourself. Tell us a little bit, a little bit about your journey. What brought you to this whole thing called parenting and, and helping people being better parents? You know, it's interesting because somebody just asked me this question the other day. And if somebody would have told me 15 years ago, I was going to be coaching kids and parents, I would have laughed because, <laughs> and honestly, I was hiding from even coming out with all this because in my community, people saw the way I raised my, my two boys as a single mom. And I probably wasn't the poster child or poster parent, if you would, to say, Hey, let me help you to parent your kids. And what I realized it was all part of my journey. It was all what led me to where I'm at today. And I was bullied when I was a child. And even going further back, I was able to go into my old past, my childhood, and really realize where all these events had stacked into my life where as a child, I felt like I wasn't enough. And I always had to prove myself. I was always comparing myself. I tell people I was a chameleon. And for those that don't know what a chameleon is, if you see a lizard that's on a brown branch, it will turn brown. If it's on a green branch, it'll turn green. It really just blends in because for the lizard, it wants to feel protected. For me, I wanted to feel like I fit in somewhere, that I belong somewhere. My parents traditionally um, in India had an arranged marriage. They came to America. They had my brother and I. So we were the first generation born in the United States, my parents divorced. That's not seen in our history. It's not really seen in our culture, if you would. And so we lived with my mom as a single mom. I watched her work. I watched her go to law school and raise my brother and I. We were born in the Gen X generation. So we were latchkey mm. kids. Yes. We were kind of raising ourselves, you know, neighbors and kids. We all kind of raised ourselves. We saw the era of independence as our parents, you know, like went and they, we, we had this, this meaning that you have to work hard to have money. That was it. Like you had to work hard. So we're growing up in a generation where we know we're going to have to work hard if we want money. Well, I was growing up. I got to work hard just to have a friend. <laughs> Forget money. I had to work hard to have a friend. I don't have a friend. And it was through all of the ideas of now that I realized just playing the victim because it gave me connection and made people check in with me. And by the time I was 15, I was in a psychiatric care hospital in California. I was self-harming. I was suicidal. I'd been suicidal at that point for about two years. And everybody wanted to label me. Oh, she's depressed. She has anxiety. We're going to put her on, you know, Prozac, I think was the drug back then. And my mom had sense enough to be like, you're not putting my 15 year old daughter on meds. Like there's no way we'll figure this out, but you're not drugging my child. Thank God. My mom said that because, you know, they, it, she just wasn't having it. And so I spent two months in the psych hospital. Then my mom shipped me off. And I say that kind of jokingly, but not. She shipped me off. I say, most kids at 16 are getting a car. I got a plane ride, a one-way ticket to India. <laughs> I went to boarding school there for, I thought was going to be a year, but it ended up being two years. And I did not think that I would be alive today, to be honest with you. Um, 
when I got back from India, the first guy that said, I love you, I was like, oh, I'm going to marry him. And I did. Five and a half months later, I married a Marine. Two years later, we had our first child. I was 20. So I definitely say a baby having a baby. And then I had my second son when I, uh, two days after I turned 25. So I didn't want to be like my mom. And that's what we do. Like we look at our role models and I saw how hard my mom worked. She was never there for me because she was either at law school or working. And I always heard we don't have enough money. So I wanted to be different, come in the next generation, right? I, I wanted to give my kids everything I didn't have. And that was two parents together. So mm-hmm. I sacrificed what I went through with my ex-husband and because I was not going to be a statistic. I was going to stay married. I'd rather sacrifice and be miserable with this man than be alone and be like my mom raising two kids by herself. Now, can I, can I ask you a question yeah. during that process, Vinu, and thank you for sharing that. There are two questions I want to ask when you were, when you were in India and you were at the boarding school, did you lose any of the need to fit in or did you feel more like everybody there? Cause I know when we spoke before being here in the U S and being raised here as a brown skin woman in uh, the environment that you in, it was different, but did it change for the better for you when you went to India? No. And it's interesting. A great question because when I was going to India, I actually had like some reprieve in my mind going, well, at least I won't be bullied anymore. At least I'm going to where there's other brown people like me that people aren't going to be confused about who I am or what I am, you know, because I grew up in Southern California. It was you were Mexican, black or white. That's it. There was no in between. And I was I I was Indian. I'm not black. I'm not Mexican. I'm not white. I'm Indian from India. So I had a sense of comfort going home. Like it was like going home to my country. However, I went to a predominantly white boarding school because they were American Sikhs. Oh, I see. Okay. I Yogi Bhajan who came from India, which ironically, my grandma knew them very well. My grandma was best friends with his wife. So that's how they found the school. And so they had already created the school with his followers, his kids, the followers, kids, you know, and so they were white Americans and there were some Hispanic and other like black, but they were all American Sikhs. American people. Yeah. So you went from the frying pan into the fire. Oh, I did because the Americans didn't see me as American because I was Indian. The little population of Indian kids we had there didn't see me as Indian because I was American. So now it's worse. Like it is a nightmare Like, I didn't think it could get worse. When I was in that psych hospital at 15, I did not think it could be worse than that. It was worse. It was really worse. Wow. And there was a lot of things going on with the whole Yogi Bhajan stuff that I'm not going to get into, but it was seeing things that did not match the values I was raised in. Right. It was trying to, again, fit in. And then it was trying to, whatever I have to do to get back to America. Right. Just tell me what I have to do to get back to America, because now I'm literally in the twilight zone. And so I get back to America and then I about five months after I'm back, I meet my ex-husband. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was like, boom, boom, boom. Um, you said you had a second. You were saying, I'm sorry uh, to cut you off. You you were saying that you dealt with 
and withheld your, you sacrificed, if you will, to stay together with somebody that I know that uh, you had a hard time with. Share with us a little bit about that uh, and what brought you to the point to leave that and to do what you do now. So again, cause I, my, my, I thought my need, well, my need was always to fit in connection, right? Connection yeah. was my highest need. And so we we find our success formulas, right? My success formula was do whatever it takes to fit in, to feel love, to feel connection. So he was a Marine. He drank a lot. He could be abusive when he was drinking. And I share this because my kids know, like if my kids didn't know, I'd be hard to yeah. share, but my kids mm-hmm. know. And so, you know, my mom begged me several times to leave. And I was like, I couldn't, like, I, I did not want to be like my mom. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want to have to tell my kids, you can't do soccer because I can't afford it. You right. can't have spaghetti tonight because I can't afford it. Like, I don't, I didn't want that. I was willing to do whatever it takes to put into this marriage, but it got to a point where it, I wasn't going to be alive. If I stayed, I wasn't going to be alive. Like I contemplated suicide even when I was pregnant with my first son, because I'm like, I can't live in this relationship and I can't leave the child in this relationship, you know? And the one thing I'm going to tell you, Joseph, that really pulled me through all of this was my belief in God. Mm-hmm. Like I had such a strong faith in God that I just, every time I got to that lowest point of lows, it's like God would speak to me and say, it's not, not your time yet. Right. Not yet. Right. There's nice. something, there's something you're going to do. Just please have a little bit more faith in me and I'm going to pull you through it. And then finally, after 10 years, we, we finally separated and divorced. And he was a great dad when we were together. Like he really did spend time with his boys. He was a Marine though. He got stationed in California and it was out of sight, out of mind. So my boys were now raised by a mom who had no self-worth and self-esteem. So that was the baggage I carried. And that's what, those are the eyes I parented through. So it was always constantly blame and shame. You didn't do this. Why are you doing that? Give me your phone. You're grounded. Never really giving them an opportunity to tell me what they want. Cause I was too busy telling them what I needed them to do. Got it. Their dad was not in their life. So there was no male figure. You know, and I didn't want my mom never really dated a lot of guys. So so that was great. I never saw like a revolving door. Um, I did date guys, but nothing ever serious. And um, then I finally found someone that was, you know, I thought was like everything to me. And he was very abusive, like physically putting my head through a wall abusive. And um, he ended up cheating on me, which. You know, we always say like our worst days sometimes are our best days. Um, It's a year of struggling to get out of bed, um, struggling to be more than I can be was what I did for a year. And uh, two years after that, I went to a Tony Robbins event and that's what changed my life. And that's what led me on the trajectory of where I am today. Well, share with us, and thank you so much for that. Um, and the reason I wanted everybody to hear that is here's a woman who, and I, I you know, because you and I know each other and we've talked before, your relationship with your sons, those two sons, wasn't that great coming up. And as you said before, uh, you know, if somebody has seen you, then would this woman be the person I want to take parenting advice from? The answer is no. So, so the shift in you share with us a little bit let's deep let's dig a little bit into you know this whole your methodology if you will for helping 
change that dynamic between parents and their children and children and their parents. Talk to me a little bit about taking the labels off of parenting. So there's so many labels that we think about when it comes to parent. Like if we want to be a good parent, we're always thinking about, well, you know, do I need to be the conscious parent? Do I need to be a mindful parent? Oh gosh, you're, you're a um, helicopter parent hovering over your kid too much. You don't let them breathe. And it's like, that's all I'm ever think I was thinking about is like, how can I be a better parent for my kid? I never thought that being a good parent would start with me learning to love him like myself. Hallelujah. That's, Hallelujah. That, that's where it all started. And I wouldn't have gotten that information if I had not by accident went to the UPW that by the way, I had $20 to my name. So I ate one meal a day at that event for those four days. I stayed on the floor of a crew member's hotel room. And that is how I went to that event. And I was and by the way, everybody that's listening, the event that she's talking about is, uh, a, let's just call it a personal development event of our friend, my business partner, Tony Robbins. And I, that, that, and, and I say this, that listen to what she's saying with regard to how at the bottom she was before she went. No money, you know, almost giving up on herself. The only thing that's saving her is her faith in God and not knowing where to go. And I always tell people to, because the same with me, I think anybody that has that kind of, you know, from, from slavery to freedom uh, story, which a lot of us do, uh, it comes to a point where they learned that lesson that you just said there, and that is your, learn how to love yourself, learn your own self-worth. When you say that oftentimes to a lot of people, it feels like you're telling them, and they look at you oftentimes, okay, here come the unicorns and the crystals and the rainbows and things like that. But an event like that, or and I shouldn't say any event, but any event that moves you to a place that you're starting to do some self-evaluation and some self-introspection where you go, well, wait a minute and have that epiphany, that, that, that paradigm shift that Vinu is saying that, wait a minute, I got to start with myself and I can, that makes the biggest difference. And yeah. so in, in doing that, and I always want to make sure that people know that because we and Vinu herself, we're all, we're, we're in the business of, helping others. And we're going to take a break here shortly, but before we do share with us, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what it takes to go from chaos to peacefulness uh, in the home. Um, but before we do, um, I wanted to, to ask you this, and that is the advice that you would have for somebody that maybe is going through some of the things that you went through, what would you say to them what would be there a, a good step for them to do right now to kind of get to that realization that you got to get some help outside? Evaluate your beliefs. Hmm. What does that mean? So that means like I had a belief that my life was always going to be like this. I had a belief that I'm a case manager. That's what I'm going to stay. I had a belief that this is as good as it gets. I also had a belief that I was in control that I was going to take, like, I was literally going to take my life in 2016. I had written that in 2007 in a book that in 2016, I give myself permission to leave this world because both my mm -hmm. boys would be 18 by then. So those are all beliefs and they all came from somewhere. If I did not go to that seminar that weekend to really take a look at what are the beliefs that got me to where I'm at, 
Like I had a belief that I had to be what you wanted me to be for you to like me. If I did not reevaluate those beliefs, I would not be here today. And it's so great you're saying that because, well, here's the question. Did you know you had those beliefs while you were going through it? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah. We, we don't even know. We don't even know what we think about ourselves. We don't, we don't, nobody, it's not taught in school. Nobody comes along and ever, ever asks us, what do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about other people? What do you believe about the world around you? And when you do ask people that it's just like scrambles their brain. They go, I don't know. You know, I want to go eat cake and watch, watch Netflix because that's such an easy escape. And, you know, that particular seminar, and there's lots of different seminars out there, that particular seminar at least, you know, brought you to that place. And I always say to people that it, this is a voyage on this journey of life. Life, the, the journey is cradle to grave. But in between there, we have little voyages. In a voyage, you disembark from a place, you arrive at another place, and then you live whatever life you live right there. And then guess what? You go on another voyage. And I always encourage people to, I mean, you're doing it right now, listening to us right now. And we thank you so much for your trust, your time, and uh, you know, your energy in giving us right now. And that is to look at yourself in another way of what's possible to shift those beliefs. So we're going to take a short break and we're going to shift gears when we come back. And Vina's going to talk to us a little, about, a little bit about how to take your family from chaos to peacefulness in three easy steps. So grab a pad and paper. If you don't have a pad and paper, you can get ready for this and some water and we'll be right back. Hey, you know, I get asked a lot of questions all the time, whether it's something, you know, on online, whether it's social media or face to face. And the question I've been asked a lot lately is, Joseph, when are you going to do something live again? Because I haven't done anything live in, in some time. And uh, so we, my team and I sat down and thought about it. So we put together an event. And I'm happy to announce to you that on October the 29th, through the 30th, 2022, in Las Vegas, Nevada, we're doing a live event called the Further Faster Conference. And this conference is going to be centered around your finances, how to make more money said differently. Now, obviously, we talk about wealthy, being healthy, happy, and financially abundant, but this one's gonna be around that because that is a subject that people should be talking about and doing something about right now. I'm gonna bring some amazing guests, some of my mentors that are gonna, gonna give you some of their wisdom as well, as well as I'm gonna teach you my signature methodology of putting a million dollars in your pocket in 10 years or less. It'll blow you away, it is absolutely doable for everybody. So put that in your calendar and more specifically, go to neuroencoding.com forward slash FFC. It'll be in the description here. You'll be able to see it, go there, get your questions answered. It's gonna be a small, intimate event so it's first come, first serve. It will sell out. And I look forward to seeing you in there. And remember, life is exactly what you dare to make it. Fortune favors the bold. Boldly step up, and I'll see you in Las Vegas. You're enjoying this episode on Angel Phoenix Productions Podcast Network. To explore our complete lineup of quality programs and media production services, head on over to angelphoenix.com or like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash angel phoenix productions.
Well, welcome back. Welcome back to the Further Faster podcast. My guest here is Vinu Keller talking about how to be a better parent <laughs> or how to be a more effective uh, parent so that we touch our children's lives in a way that causes them to be better people and they live their best lives. So when we left, Vinu, I said when we come back, I'd like you to talk to us a little bit about how to take your family from chaos to peacefulness in three easy steps. Nobody wants to hear that. (laughs) Of course not. Of course not. The first step is to be curious, not critical. Hmm. Be curious, not critical. So no matter what you face with, whatever challenge, which I like to see as opportunity that your child presents to you at school, at home with a neighborhood kid or whatever, if you address it being curious versus critical saying, why did you do that? You know, why, why did this happen? Why, why, why? Why puts the brain in a defensive state mm-hmm. where they have to come up with, well, I don't know why, you know, it could be like, well, why did you cut your hair? Well, they cut their hair. Cause this happened to me and my, my 10 year old twin. She is like, well, I cut it cause you weren't letting me get my hair cut. Okay. Well, that's a legit in her little 10 year old mind. That was legitimate to her. However, when I asked her, cause I used the why question, she's like, uh, uh, I did it. I, I didn't cut my hair. I don't know what you're talking about. Now, mind you, it's all rigidly raggedy. Like I know it was cut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but because I asked her why, it put her immediately on the defensive. Like, what does my mom want to hear? Like, what do I have to say to not be in trouble? If I say the truth, am I going to get in trouble or if I lie? Right. So that's what happens when you ask the word why. So that's really coming off critical. You're you're being critical of them or so you know, great. when you're blaming them, like you said you wouldn't, or you you did this and you shouldn't have done that. You know better. That's that's when a lot of us parents use you know better. You know better. Mm-hmm. But if you come in curious, going, huh. Your hair looks kind of interesting. Did you do something different to today? You're playful. You're curious. They feel more relaxed. They don't feel judged. And guess what? Well, actually, mom, I did. I took some scissors to it. Do you like it? I mean, I could see that it's shorter. (laughs) I can see that you probably need some areas that are fixed. But it's like all of a sudden they don't feel judged by you. Right. They want to tell you more. They want to tell you the truth because they're not afraid of what they say, if it's going to be right or wrong. Another part of being curious is when a child tells you, I don't know what they're really telling you is, I don't know if you're going to like my answer. I don't know if you're going to be upset with my answer. I don't know if I'm still going to be enough in your eyes. If I tell you my answer, that's what I don't know means. So when you're curious, you're able to ask those type of questions that get your kids to open up more. So when they say, I don't know, because I have a lot of clients that love to tell me, I don't know. And I immediately I say to them, I'm like, you don't know if I'm going to judge you. You don't know if I'm going to like it. You don't know if I'm going to celebrate it. And all of a sudden they're like, I don't know if you're going to judge me. I said, okay, so what would you need from me to let you know I'm not going to judge you? That I'm here. This is so spectacular. I love it when you give tangible and doable, usable things. This very thing, I got my own testimony uh, because you taught me this before. And I would normally approach my son that way. You know, why did you do this? And, you know, I, (laughs) my son, when he turned a teenager, you know, turned into the silent you know, the strong, silent type. And, you know, I kind of felt like, okay, what's going on here? Uh, But it's just being a teenager, you know. And so, uh, and I did that before. I would ask him, why didn't you do your homework? 
I would do that. And he would clam up even more. And when I started using what you said and just being curious and, and playful about it, then he started to open up more. Now it's not huge. His opening up is still, you know, he's the kind of kid. Now when I go, how was your day? He'll go. Okay. No, he'll wait. He'll go. Oh. He'll, he'll, there's a beat. He'll go. It was cool. And that's it. That's all I get. <laughs> so, you know, and, and, but I just realized, but anyway, that is such a helpful tool. So uh, what's the next step? So the next step is let go of your own baggage. And what, what I mean, mean by that specifically is once I let go of not being enough and not liking myself and loving myself, I was no longer parenting through those eyes. I had fresh eyes to parent my kids with. So, you know, before, because I was so afraid of my kids not feeling like they were enough, I would blame, I would shame. Uh, oh, no, no, no. Give me your phone because you have to have A's. What does that mean for them to have A's? I was making it mean that I was a good enough parent that my mm -hmm. kids had A's. So I made it about me. So when you let go of the baggage of yourself, of what you feel about yourself or what you think, you stop letting your kids be your measurement tool if you're a good enough person. Right, which is so critical, so important, because they feel that stuff. They, they, you know, they will actually come up and say, look, you know, you, I'm not trying to be you or, you know, I don't want to be you. And oftentimes, like you said in the very beginning, you didn't want to be your mom. Right. You knew you didn't want to be your mom. Correct. So be curious, not critical. Let go of your own baggage. And then the third thing that is probably the most important. And Joseph, I will, I got to give you credit for this because, you know, learning from you so much, like it's even a chapter in my book. The last chapter is celebrate. Yes, we yes. do not know how to celebrate. We think we can only celebrate when we get the honor roll or when we get a right, certification. Right. We don't know that. Yesterday, I couldn't get out of bed for whatever reason. So today I got out of bed. Celebrate. Celebrate every moment you did something different towards being the best version of you. And if we could teach that to our children, they will stop feeling that if they do something, they're not going to be enough to you. Because I'm going to tell you, I have been a coach for a very, very long time. Yes. And this has been my niche with parent and child. And I will tell you the number one thing, the number one thing that I get from my kids that are from 10 to about 22, I don't want to disappoint my parents. Right. Sure. Of course. Even if they don't know that, again, this unconscious thing that they don't want to know, they don't want to disappoint. Right. So if we teach them to celebrate, you know, one of your greatest moments that we all use is put your hand up, bend over and pat yourself on the back. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because me and my husband, Brian, do this all the time. Like, we're like, put your hand up, bend yeah. over and pat yourself <laughs> on the back. I love Brian. So Brian is amazing. Model, we model for our kids and now they'll do it. Like, I love the fact that when my, so I have my twin uh, 10 year old kids, boy, girl, when my son scores a goal, he has a little dance. He does a little dance and that is his celebration. He is celebrating internally. He's not doing a dance to put it in your face. He's doing it to anchor it into himself. Yes. Like, I freaking rock. Yes. That is so critically important. And I will say, you know, my son does the same now, you know, he plays volleyball and it, and I love what you said right there. It's not putting it in their faces or, you know, Hey, I did this over there. He's celebrating for him. 
And what's happening to, to his team is they're all modeling him because they're all teenager, teenage boys and they're all modeling him. So they see him do it and he does it. And here's what I will say. And I know this about you as well is that we demonstrate it first. You know, when you said about let go of your own baggage, uh, some of our own baggage is that we haven't been celebrating ourselves. And I can honestly say, you know, since my son, imagine what it's like having me for a dad. So, you know, I celebrate <laughs> all the time. And from the time he, you know, he, we talked about it before, from the, as far back as he can remember, I've always been that goofy dad that does a silly little dance or stands up and shakes my ass or pat myself on the back. So it gives him permission to do it as well. He doesn't feel as silly about it, uh, doing it himself. And it's, and it's rubbing off on his, on his people that are around him as well. Right. So those are the three things. If you, if you literally, and I would challenge your listeners, if you're listening and you're having some obstacles or challenges or whatever is going on in your home, I would invite you just for seven days, mm. anything that you feel that you're upset about, or they lied to you or whatever, get curious about it. Just get curious about it and ask a better question. Ask a question, have fun with it. Be curious. The second thing that I would invite you to do for seven days is let go of anything that you think that is coming through you to your kids. So you're not using them as your measurement tool anymore. Don't yes. use them if you're a good parent or bad parent, no matter what choices they make, they're their choices. And number three, celebrate every opportunity you can with them and see what changes in your household in seven days. And I guarantee you in three days, something will change. And that is, I, I am living proof and I vouch for that a hundred percent. And Vina, we're coming up on uh, the end here as usual. You know, we got more to talk about. Um, but before we go, uh, two things, because uh, I, I know that it is it, critical for you to, and, and first of all, I want to say to everybody, these are three things at further, faster here. We want to always want to make sure that you have something that you can do. These are three things that work. And you've got only upside on this. You got nothing to lose and we can change. Second thing I'm going to say is this, get yourself to some sort of uh, event or some sort of coaching or something where you get outside of yourself and you are learning from people that have been there. And on that note, Vino, how do they find you? How do they reach you? Do they want to reach out to you, get more about you to get your books and your products and things like that? Yeah. So if you just go to my website, vinoinspires.com. You will actually be able to download my ebook. It is a very quick read. You can read it probably in like 30, 45 minutes. And it's going over three ways. It's teach your children that they're enough. Like hmm. just set your, set your kids up to win. Let them know from the get-go that they're enough. And there's just three easy steps in there as well. And it's a quick read and you can find me there. Um, you know, I'm also, I'm going to put a shout out and I hope it's okay is for the Neuroencoding Institute. I am the coaching instructor. So what you hear about me and the way my style of the coaching is using the neuroencoding modality and helping people go further faster in their life. And so you get live calls with me, like yeah, absolutely. You get my coaching to be that coach, to help other people. And so that's another way to reach out uh, to me is through the neuroencoding Institute. Yeah, we'll put all that stuff in the description here and take her up on that because that is one of the greatest things about the Institute is what she said is true. It's live calls. It's not, it's not you know, a recording somewhere or, you know, a chat room. It's live calls. You get to speak with this woman and, and her guide you and take you through the process as well as, you know, whenever you're listening to this, we have an event coming up here in just a few days called the Further Faster Conference. Uh, it was, I mean, it still is live, uh, but we had so many people that wanted to uh, do it virtually. 
virtual that we opened it up to virtual. That'll be in the description as well. And Vina will be there as well. Vina, we are out of time again. And so I want to thank you. Thank you so much. And I want to encourage everybody, look this woman up, find her, track her down, use this material, do these three things that she just taught you right there. And I promise you, it will make a huge difference in your life and put you on uh, another voyage, if you will. So, Vinu, thank you so much again for in giving us your pearls of wisdom, and I look forward to seeing you again. And everybody else, remember this, that life is exactly what you dare to make it, and fortune favors the bold for you and your children. So the trick to life is to boldly step up, do something different, and dare to be magnificent. I'll look forward to seeing you at the top. This podcast was a production of Angel Phoenix Productions. Explore more episodes of this show or other great shows on the Angel Phoenix Podcast Network by visiting angelphoenix.com. The views expressed in this show do not necessarily represent those of Angel Phoenix Productions or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners.